Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. How many know we had a courageous God? How many know Jesus came and he was courageous to the cross? He uh, prayed prayers in the garden. Lord, if there's any way possible, if there's, prayed to the eternal spirit of God, if there's any way possible for this to pass, this cup to pass from me. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. We need a not my will, but thine be done prayer all the time in our life. Because we get our will in the way at times, don't we? We know what we want, what we like. But that may not be what's best for us. And that's why I trust him to do what's best for me. So I want to talk to you a little bit today about courageousness. And and really my title is Good Courage. And we'll talk about that. So Psalms 27 verse 14. If you're there, say amen. We're going to huddle around this particular verse and one other verse. Uh, We're going to go to Psalms 112, 6 through 8 right after this. And uh, we're going to combine these two passages of scripture and hopefully that will help you i know it's encouraged me if if no one showed up here today <laughs> i was telling somebody I, if nobody showed up here today i would have preached to myself because it's just this good um to be encouraged in the lord wait number 14 verse or chapter 27 verse 14 wait on the lord be of good courage everyone say good courage, good courage. and he shall strengthen thine heart. heart is the center of emotion he will strengthen your emotions. Hmm. That's worth saying right there. If I say nothing else, we could just shut it down, pray, and go home. Okay, if, if you understand that the God that we serve gives good courage, it will strengthen your emotions. Okay, so all the men in here are like, well, that's for the ladies. Okay, now let's, let's move on. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now that's for all the men, okay? Because we get impatient and we decide, okay, we'll fix it. If it won't get fixed, I'll go ahead and fix it. But the Bible talks to the men. It says, wait on the Lord. And then if we turn over to Psalms 112, just a few pages to the right, Psalms 112. And we're going to read verse 6 through 8. It's page 683 in my Bible. (coughs) Psalms 112 and verse 6. We find these words, Surely he shall not be moved forever. Speaking of a good man in the previous verse, it says, Surely he shall not be moved forever. When he uses the word man in Scripture, often it's referring to mankind, male and female, not just one particular gender. There are places in Scripture where the Greek word uses specific language for male. But this one is, A good man showeth forth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Then six, where we're starting. Surely he shall not be moved forever. Everyone say moved. The righteous shall be in everlasting in everlasting remembrance. Verse 7, He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. Everyone say evil reports. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is set like concrete, fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desires upon his enemy. 
In other words, God's going to establish them. So let's pray together. Jesus, I pray you give somebody an infusement or an infusing of courage in this place today. Somebody needs to hear this word, Lord God. I don't know who it is, but somebody needs to hear that you are on their side and that you come stand beside us and that you walk with us and you bring courage. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Everyone may be seated in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Have you ever had an event where you felt very, very um, awkward? <laughs> a very awkward moment where you didn't exactly know what to do with the situation and, and kind of like the cur- all the courage has gone out of you? Um, the scripture talks here in, in Psalms 112. It, it gives three words. If you like S's, it talks about, in another translation, about being stable, about being steadfast, about being secure. Everyone say secure. secure. That's important because a lot of people have no courage because of fear. They have no security because of fear. Amen. Everyone say fear. Even, even if you, now the thing that I need to convey to you is that the importance of fear is that fear is just faith in the wrong thing. Amen. So fear is in the wrong report. Some people have fear in two foot of snow. They can't make it to church because they have more faith in the snow than they do in the God that gets them to church and protects them. I'm not talking to anybody right now. I'm just telling you that's why I'm talking about snow when there is no snow outside. But some people have more faith in a doctor's report or the the news of a doctor than they have faith in the God who can heal. If I step on your toes today, it's unintentional. I'm just preaching the word, okay? Everyone say, he's preaching. Just going to preach, and if, if, it, if it runs over your toes, just tuck them up underneath the chair, okay? And, uh, and I'll try not to hit them too bad. Even if you have, even if you have a, a, a report of bad news and you don't have any fear, it can trigger fears in you. Amen? So every time you hear bad news, it can cause a moment of fear, and that fear can cause you to respond the wrong way. Interesting enough, sometimes... There doesn't even have to be a threat and you can have fear. Have you ever received a phone call in the middle of the night and you're like, oh no, mom's, dad's not, you know, something's happened. What's and you immediately you're gripped with a little bit of fear and you haven't even picked up the phone yet. Have you ever been called into the boss's office? I need to speak with you. (laughs) Right then, a little fear. Amen. Maybe a lot of fear. I don't know. My wife makes a statement that I'm, I, I don't like, and she goes, I need to talk with you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what does that mean? I need to talk to you. Can't, no, no, no. It's, and sometimes she'll like preface it, but most of the time it's just, I need to talk to you about something. And sometimes we don't have time to talk about it, Tanya. So she's like, I need to talk to you about something really important, but we have to talk later. So it wrecks my entire day because the whole day I'm like, oh, oh no, what? is the problem. What's going? So I start trying to text her in the middle of the day. Can you tell me a little bit about what it is? And she's like, no, we'll talk at home. And I'm like, you're ruining my day, you know, because I have this trigger. And so sometimes she knows about that. And she's like, I need to talk to you. And she'll see me start to brace. And she'll go, no, no, it's not bad. I just want to talk to you about dinner. And I'm like, couldn't you lead with that? Yeah, right. Couldn't you lead with, hey, let's talk about dinner <laughs> later, not 
I need to talk to you about something. And sometimes it's something that's serious and she'll just take off. I need to talk to you about something. This is what's going on. We need to take care of this. We need to pray, whatever. And then other times I just feel like a, a, an underlying dread whenever that's said. So have you ever had that moment where someone says, you know, I need to talk to you and you're like, oh man, what is this about? It could be nothing. But fear can cause you to change how you believe. See, the scripture here tells us in, in the first verse that in verse 6, surely he shall not be moved forever. In other words, you will be stable. The righteous shall be an everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. One translation says of bad news. Our world is full of bad news. Amen? Sometimes I don't even watch the news because I'm so oversaturated with bad news. Good news doesn't sell, right? That's why they have bad news. In fact, somebody that was very wise uh, told me that whenever a reporter calls you to talk to you about your church, if they send you a questionnaire about your church, don't even waste your time. Because the questions that they're asking about your church is not because they want to get a report. They've actually already written their report, and it may have nothing to do with what you say, and it could be because you have stuff out online that they take snips and pieces of anything you've ever said and puts it together and creates a bad report because that's what people listen to. That's what sells, amen? So whenever a reporter comes to you, oftentimes to, or somebody comes to you and they're going to, to ask you something about what's going on, oftentimes they've already formulated a thought in their head of what they think is going on. And especially in the media where there's often a lot of bad news, if someone is asking me about our church or something about my family, I know that they're probably not asking because of curiosity. They're asking because they've already got the report written. They're looking to corroborate anything they've already written. So someone told me it was a very wise pastor. He said, don't even waste your time. Don't even try to answer the questions because what's happening is they're not listening to the answers. They're just looking for more information for the report they're already written. I want to tell you that that's not the case with Jesus Christ. He's already written a report about you and it's not a report of evil. It's a report of good. And while you're living through difficult times, struggles and difficulties, maybe in your body, your life, your finances, your job, I want you to know that what you see with your eyes is not the report that God has written. Bad news does not mean a good report. In fact, Christians in our day and in our lifestyle and in the way that we live and in our culture, we need Christians that know how to take bad news and turn it in to a good report. That can take the word of God and say, I believe the promises of God regardless of what I'm seeing with my natural eyes. I can believe in faith. Amen? So... We have to deal with dread sometimes. We have to deal with fear, but we have to deal with it by attacking it with faith. Yeah. And sometimes we have to believe the report of the Lord, as the scripture says. That means that maybe bad news. Now, some of you in here have had bad news. Some of you that may be listening online, you've had bad news in your life. And it's not the kind of bad news like I was talking about where your kid gets called to the principal's office. It's bad news in your body, bad news in your family. Someone struggling with their health. Maybe they're looking at possibly being uh, removed from your life. And that love in your life that you knew all your life would be then gone. Because each of us are originals. Amen? You have an individual eye. Your iris can be read by technology. Because if someone else steps up and tries to get their eye read and pretend that they're you, your eye is not the same. No man's eye is No man's fingerprint is the same. You are one of a kind. Amen? So that's why nobody can do what I'm doing right here today like me. 
It's not because I'm so special, but it's because I'm an original. And whenever I lose that woman back there, if I ever do, when we get old, gray, and I have a lot of wrinkles, in Jesus' name, whenever, whenever I lose her or if she loses me, she will never know a love like I gave her. And I will never know a love like she gave me because she's an original. Amen? That's why you need to appreciate the people that are in your life and you need to get enough courage to love them with a great, the greatest love you can find because you'll never know another Reese. You'll never know another Pastor Calhoun. You'll never know another Nate Fromstein or Tanya or Karen. You'll never know another Mike Krause. You'll never know somebody who's an original like that. And, and in the sense of knowing them, God has put them in your life so that you can be courageous enough to encourage the original. Make them know that they need to do them. Amen? Do you, right? That's important that you do who you are. And so we gather together on a regular purpose because we need to take the bad news that life hands us and encourage one another to turn it into a good report. To believe the promises of God over the, pre the present troubles of our life. I hope this is good for you today. Numbers 13 verse 27 begins a narrative that I want to share with you today about Moses where he is directed of God to take 12 men from the tribes of Israel and to send them into the promised land. Everyone say promised land. The promised land was Israel. They were coming out of Egypt. They had been in bondage for over 400 years. There had been no time where they had known their, their, their prophets. And now there's a man who walks on the scene who speaks with Pharaoh and says, you need to let my people go. And does all kinds of miracles. And finally Pharaoh says, go. And then whenever they, they get out of the city, Pharaoh turns his armies and sends his best chariots after them. And, and they go through the water just like the type there is that baptism saves us it's also a type of baptism and when they went through the water they look back and the chariots of Israel or of Egypt are coming after them and when they get on the shore the waters closed on them as a symbol that forever your past is washed away forever you are no longer slaves forever you are free and you are my people God says to them through that miracle and so we also know that when we go down in the waters of baptism we're forever free from the past we're forever free Free from any slave master that ever held us. We're ever, forever free from the things that gripped us in the past. That is the type. Amen. And so Moses is walking the people toward Israel and he gets a command from God. Send people in and spy out the land. Amen. He tells them to go size up the situation. Size up the environment. Look at trees. Look at fruit. Look at the land. Look at, it's supposed to be a land flowing with milk and honey. It's supposed to be a land that's very fertile. Go and see what the land is that God has given to us. And the interesting thing about it is they came back with this report and they told him and said, we came unto the land whether thou sentest us or where, where you sent us. And surely it floweth with milk and honey. It is what has always been said to us. It is what you said. It's a promised land. It's a blessed land. It's, it's, a, it's a great land. It flows with, go to the next verse, with milk and honey, and there is great fruit. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak. These were some bad boys. Amen. They were fighting boys. They were tall. They were huge. They were men of great stature. They were the Goliaths of the land. Amen. Go on to the next verse. 
and, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the greatly feared Cellulites. I'm just making sure you're listening. And the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell in the sea, and by the coast of Jordan. Go on. So they're listing off all the people of the land, and Caleb stilled the people. He said in modern vernacular, shut up. <laughs> Stop saying all the stuff that you're saying about how small we are and how great they are. Moses didn't tell them to go and analyze themselves, but they sized up themselves and realized there was great threat because anytime you size up yourself in accordance to what you think about yourself, it's always the wrong measuring stick. It's always the wrong scale that you're putting things on. You have to measure what God promises you according, yes, we have to know the surveillance of the land. Yes, we have to know the environment in which we are living. It is very important that we not be ignorant of the enemy's devices. Amen? It's very important that we understand we're in a spiritual battle. But we cannot size up ourselves according to the fight that is in front of us. Hello, somebody. I'm preaching, I hope, real good right now. Because what happens is they said we saw ourselves as grasshoppers in our own sight. In other words, a grasshopper can be stepped on, can be mutilated, can be destroyed with very little remorse. Amen? No one cares if you're driving down the road and you hit a grasshopper. You're just like, oh, man, I need more bug windshield washer fluid. You know, that's, that's all that you think of. But whenever it comes to the people of God, they didn't realize that they weren't supposed to just bring back grapes and look at the cities and look at the environment. They were supposed to size themselves up according to the promise that God had given them already, the promised land. He'd already listed in Exodus that these people would be coming out and they would conquer the Amalekites and they would conquer the people of the land. That God had already promised them victory and he's already done that for you because as I already established your report is already written so Caleb says shut up look at what God can do for us and so Caleb quiets the people if you go back to that he stilled the people before Moses and said let us go up at once let's not stop let's not camp out let's not put together a plan let's go up at once and take the land for God has given it to us let us go up at once and possess for we are well able, everyone say well able, to overcome it. I'd like to introduce you to the Overcomers Club today. I'd like to introduce you to a bunch of people who knew how it was to be down but got up and never stayed down. And it is important that we understand that we have to celebrate even the smallest moments of getting up again. That God is not necessarily in the big things and in the large things as we talked about earlier. He is a great and mighty God, but sometimes he's in the times when you swing your feet off the bed and you put them on the floor and say I am going to go to work today I am going to do what I have to do to raise my family I am going to do what it takes even though I don't feel strong today I'm going to do it with courage because my God has promised me a good report amen my story is already written and it's a good story but you can't be ignorant you have to size up your situation you do have to know what you're dealing with I don't care if you're a really great cook, and you want to start a bakery. I make some awesome muffins. I want to start a bakery. You're not going to be brave 
if you don't know the climate in which you're starting your business in, if you don't know what the climate of the place where your children go to school, if you don't understand some things, you have to be willing to survey the situation and the environment. But you can't live on just uh, uh, those reports, those bad, any bad news that comes back. You have to create it into a good report. I want to be brave, amen? amen. I want to be courageous for the Lord. Every, every week that I stand here, I realize my job is to magnify the Lord to you. And I'm like the magnifying glass. David said, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I snuck into this in my sermon a little bit when I was talking earlier. But what I'm doing is I'm trying to be a vessel. And I'm not looking at anyone in particular. I catch your guys' eyes every once in a while and some of you are like, he's talking to me. No, I'm not pointing anybody out. But every single week, whether a good week or a bad week, I have to stand here and try to make God larger in your life. I'm being the vessel, the magnifying glass for Jesus Christ for you at times. And if you come and he's small to you, then I have to get up here and I say, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. When the enemy comes in like a flood, when wave after wave of emotion attacks your heart, when the enemy comes in like a flood and tries to conquer you with fear. There is a standard that's raised up by the power of the Holy Ghost. The Lord shall raise a standard up against them, the Bible says. So it's important that we understand that whenever we learn how to magnify God, we have to help others magnify God. I lived in Washington, D.C. for a while. We used to love to go down to the monuments. And when we're driving to the monuments, I could hold my thumb up and make the Washington Monument disappear. You want to know why? Because we were so far away from it. But when we got close, if I held my thumb up, I just looked stupid. <laughs> like, is a guy trying to hitchhike or something? What's going on? I mean, the thing is mammoth. You just stand there and you just look. And you can't even see the top if you're close enough to it. And it's like that with God. When we get far and separated from God, we need a preacher to stand up and say, how great and how awesome and how mighty and how magnificent is our God like I did earlier so that it brings you and draws you to God in the presence of the Lord. And all of a sudden he becomes so big that you're like, my problems are so insurmountable compared to the greatness of my God. Right. Amen. So we cannot but help ourselves when we draw near to Him to have a good report even if we're carrying bad news because our God gets so big. Now I can tell you I'm going to be preaching a little bit on this next week too before Mother's Day the following week and um, I'm preaching on an unstoppable church two weeks out is uh, Mother's Day, right? No, a couple weeks out. i got to look at my calendar because I'm really off, apparently. <laughs> Anyways, next week I'm preaching on an unstoppable church because, um, or the, two, the week following, sorry, because I'm gone next week, but Brother Nate Fromstein's preaching a really great sermon. Right. If you haven't heard him preach, you want to be here. I'm telling you what, it's going to tear it up. God's going to help him, um, but he's preaching product recall, letting the thunder out of your... I'm not going to let the thunder out, but he's, uh, he's going to preach for us. And I have to be in Eau Claire because I'm preaching at a church there. But what I'm going to be preaching about is unstop an unstoppable church. The, the church that I see today is not the church that I see in the book of Acts. And maybe you have noticed this, that the dichotomy between the bands and the lights and this fog and, 
and the entertainment of the church. And, and, and the, the church needs to be unstoppable. It really does. The church that I see in Acts, they were whipped. They were beaten. They were bruised. They, they were willing to lift their hands and worship even though they knew it would mean they were going to be thrown in jail. Do we do that? I mean, if I change the schedule on our service time, we'll have like seven people here next week. I, I was meeting with the leadership team, and I'm like, what if we moved our service to 1 o'clock so we could rent space at a church? Everybody's like, I like Sunday morning. And I do too. I'm not, doubting, I'm not dissing on them, but we're so, con, we're so used to the convenience of church. We're so used to, And so when it comes to difficulty, can we still... Can we still be a church like the book of Acts? Or is it, is it so different that we're seeing the book of Acts here and we're seeing the church of Jesus Christ in North America? So far down here. Yeah. And the difference is, can, can we just show up with the body of Christ and encourage one another? Do we have to have someone preaching that's dynamic and powerful? And it's important to have a man of God in the pulpit or, or a lady of God who is spirit-filled and, and, and has a touch from heaven and knows what they're preaching. And, and like me today, I really feel like this is from God. I feel like I downloaded this for you today, and I've been in prayer about this. But is it okay if maybe we get Seth up and he tells a testimony or, or we get somebody else up, get Maurice up here, and he shares something that God's been talking to him about? What if, what if we really became the book of Acts church? We would be unstoppable. Wow. And we wouldn't have to worry about me texting 20 people to get them to church on Sunday. And do you need a ride? And how can I help? And I know we're building a church, and I'm okay with that. Amen. But I want you to know that this church is not going to be like every other church in this city. We're going to be a courageous church. We're going to be a church that's on fire for God. The hotel doesn't allow smoking. We've got to be on fire. <laughs> okay, so you're back with me? All right. So they send out 12 spies. 10 come back. The Bible actually calls it an evil report. Because when you report something that's not what God says, and there's a lack of faith in it, God considers it the opposite of him. So he calls it an evil report. Did you know that you have spies in your head too? Every one of us, while we're sitting here, we're taking in reports. We're taking in information. And there's, there's spies in our head that are processing. Well, I don't know. If, do I want to be here next week? Am I going to be able to, you know, what's going on at my work? Is, is there something that I need to pray about? Have, have you checked out and put together your grocery list while I was preaching? <laughs> there's things going on in all of our brains. I can't speak fast enough to keep your brain engaged you have to do that while I'm speaking. But I want you to know that out of every one of the spies in our head, there's at least 10 to 2 for negative versus positive. You will believe more negative things about you than you will believe positive things about you. When you look in the mirror, do you see all of your negatives? Or do you focus on your strengths? Do you look for the things that God is using you to do? It may be only two things. But you should be rocking those two things. Amen? You should be tearing it up in that area. And you should diminish and tell all those other ten spies in your head that's saying you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, you don't have enough talent. When did talent ever matter in the Word of God? 
When did that ever even occur in Scripture? David was not even welcome to the anointing party for the new king. He was probably barrel-chested and sunburned, keeping stinky sheep out in the field. And they, he wasn't like his other brothers who were more kingly in stature. And, and, and probably his dad thought these could definitely be kings. But whenever the prophet got to the house, he said, Is this all the children you have? God doesn't look on the outward. He looks on the heart. Amen? So you have to realize that whenever you are hearing negative reports, it could just be the enemy trying to get you to wear you down where you won't believe the good report, but believe the bad news. Amen? And the reports you believe determine your destiny. You literally have to understand that your future is measured by how you see yourself through the Word of God. Fear turns good news into bad reports. Have you ever had somebody that you're talking to and you're like, man, congratulations on the promotion at work. And they're like, yeah, but you know, just all the overtime and I, you know, get to get, I could put my kids in a good school now, but never get to go to their soccer games because I'm always working. It's like, sorry, I'll never congratulate you again. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to hurt. I don't mean to hurt nobody, but sometimes the reason why people don't talk to you is because when they ask you how you're doing, it takes two hours for them to leave. <laughs> Was that too harsh? <laughs> they weren't meaning how, I, how are you really doing. They were trying to be courteous and kind, like, how are you doing? Are you okay today? And yeah, I'm all right. As far as you need to know, I'm good. Amen. Put a smile on and love people and don't give them all of your information. If you're single and you date somebody, don't tell them about your chronic back pain on the first date, okay? That's probably why you're not getting second dates. Okay, now I cross the line, right? I'm, I'm way over the line. I got to come back to the Word of God. Jesus, help me. Pray for me. If you, con if you congratulate somebody and they're constantly speaking down the good reports in their life that how's God ever going to give them anything good the people the Bible says these 10 spies went among the people and spread this evil report even though Caleb and Joshua are like we can go and we can take the land but because these 10 others spread it throughout all the others they began to believe the evil report if you constantly share your negatives with people they will eventually think of you the way you're thinking of yourself. And you can destroy a really good marriage by only focusing on the negative. Okay, I've hit the singles. I've hit the married people. <laughs> Do you turn bad news into a good report? Are you constantly returning good news in a bad way? That's a beautiful dress. Oh, yeah, but, you know, it's just, I, I don't know. I bought it, and I don't know if I really like the color. And Really? How about thank you? Yeah. That's an awesome vest, man. I really like that. Oh, man, I've had this forever. You know, I just, just thank people. I've, done, I've said this before, but I'm just trying to deal with some issues. So news is what's happened to you. Here we go. Ready? News is what's happened to you. The report is what you make of what's happened to you. Can I say it one more time? Yeah. News is what's happened to you. The report that you believe is what you make of what's happened to you. The news is the issue. Yes, it is. And all of us have a tooth. 
We all do. But the report is your perspective on the issue. I remember when that lady ran into the back of me. It was a Tuesday. She just she was driving in her slippers, slid off the brake, probably ran into the gas. That's probably why she hit me so hard. My vent to my car landed up in my seat. That's and it didn't seem like that that heavy of damage to my car, but I felt like someone shot me. It was a little like boom, you know. It was like and at that moment I didn't have any fear. I didn't even have any disappointment. I was a little bit disoriented because I didn't know what was going on because I was sitting at a red light. But I literally went, really? This is how the day is going to go? I wasn't upset. And my next thought was, devil, really? You're going to attack my vehicle? I like to blame the devil for everything. <laughs> you ever heard that joke where the devil's sitting outside the church? And, uh, and someone says, hey, there's somebody outside crying. And so one of the deacons and the, the usher, ushers go out. And they're like, hey, you're the devil. He's like, yeah, I'm the devil. He's like, what's wrong? He's like, they're in there blaming me for everything. And a bunch of it I didn't do. <laughs> I just blame the devil for everything. So hopefully I can hit him somewhere. So I was like, devil, really? You're going to try to attack me in, in the area of my vehicle? I'm like, Really? Do you think this vehicle means that much to me? Because see, when you fall in love with Jesus, everything else loses its luster. When you really fall in love with Jesus. So you can have church in a hotel room that you rent, or you can have church in a park, or you can, you can be all alone with God and just be sitting at your house on your porch and have God show up and the Holy Ghost move in and it can literally move you to tears because you're understanding that he was there all along, but he decided to manifest himself to encourage you. I was praying for a friend in California. He's in the room, but I'm not going to tell you who it was. Good luck finding out. I was praying for a friend and I was working and I'm working away and every time I started saying the friend's name the Holy Ghost came into the room and I got chills and God was there and he was there all the time because the Holy Ghost works in California amen it works in Wisconsin but he showed up and every time I prayed it was powerful and I get a text out to the person and they're like yeah I just happened to be sitting down in a very important meeting thank you for your prayers the Holy Ghost works just like that if you can't see a good report he'll have some Someone else pray in a good report for you. Amen. Oh man, God is so good. So whose report will you believe? We will believe the report of the Lord. I want a perspective change from my prayer life and from the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I want a perspective change from his promises because your future is found in your report, not in the news you receive. Amen. What the enemy has been bringing in your life can shake you. It's true. It can shake you. But when it's done shaking you all the way down, it's going to get to the rock on which you stand, which is Christ Jesus. I'm preaching real good right now. And on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. So shake all you want. I will not have fear. Did you know that God promised the promised land to these folks over 170 times in Scripture. And they believe the evil report. But there's giants in the land. But God has promised. But there's difficulty in my life. But God has promised. 
but cancer showed up, but God has promised. I always reference Betty because she's our cancer survivor in this congregation. And while cancer showed up, she trusted God's promises. And she believed the report of the Lord over bad news that cancer's in your body. And she was a testimony to the celebration of God and the praise to God. And people that looked at her and said, you should just be struggling through chemo right now. But she's like, God is good. This day is sunny. He helped it not to snow so I could get to my chemo appointment. She's celebrating going to a chemo appointment. Come on, folks. You don't celebrate chemotherapy unless you believe the report of the Lord and not the bad news. But God promised them in past tense. He said it as if it was already done. And he speaks to you most often in past tense because he is not promising you based upon your present condition. God is reaching into the future and grabbing a hold to the promise fulfilled and dragging it back and speaking into your life through the power of the anointing of the Holy Ghost of something that's already done in his mind to God they had the promised land I know I'm yelling and you just got to get excited with me because I get so excited that I'm like look through me and magnify God in this moment look at what God was doing he's trying to get them to see beyond the giants in the land and the things going on in their circumstance and so in Exodus 3 he promises the land before they ever got there and I'm trying to hurry regardless of the news This must be the kind of peace that we have, brothers and sisters. This must be the kind of security that we have. When Jesus hung on the cross, he knew that it wasn't just him dying. It wasn't just people that had orchestrated against him. Because he said, you don't kill me. I lay down my own life. Jews didn't kill Jesus. There's somebody that's brought a lawsuit just recently against the Jewish people for killing Jesus. (laughs) It's just the weirdest thing I ever heard in my life. I'm like, bro, you need to read your Bible. Because Jesus said, nobody takes my life. I lay it down. Amen? So I'm almost done. Yeah, thank you, because I'm getting excited. Joshua 2 and 1, I want to share with you one more situation where Joshua had a chance to learn from the previous experience. Now, from their disbelief, they wander in the wilderness. And all of those people that said, we can't go in, didn't. Those that said, we can't, won't. And those that say we should, can. What you believe mentally about what you can do is what you can do. Because God says without a vision, the people perish in the scriptures. It's literally meaning whatever you formulate, hopefully you're praying to God and asking him, is this what you want me to do? But whatever you form through willpower, you can literally accomplish it through mental ascent. But we have more than just that. We have the guidance of God. That's really important that we do that. So Joshua learns from this situation. He says, and Joshua, the son of Nun, I feel sad for him because I don't know where he came from. He's the son of Nun. That's just preacher humor, okay? You got to let me have some moments of preaching humor. Sent out to Shittim, to men, uh, two men that spy secretly. I always say two. You only need two out of ten, right? Don't believe all the negative. Believe the positive spies. Amen. Send out two spies this time because he knows that it's going to work better. 
spy secretly saying, go and view the land, even Jericho. He said, don't like Moses, go look at the trees, bring back the grapes, look at the rivers, look at the... Don't look at everything. Look at our next thing. Look at Jericho. And so I want to teach you as a pastor, just make this a teaching moment. Stop trying to conquer everything in your life at one time. Conquer the first thing. Stop worrying about what every, everything that's going on in your life as a conglomeration. Just ask the Lord, what do you want me to deal with next? And with him, accomplish that. So God says, so Joshua being wise says, go look at Jericho because that's where we're headed. That's our next fight. So whatever God gives you as your next fight, ask God, how do you want me to proceed? And he will download into your spirit what you need for the next battle. Don't try to fight the war. Just win the next battle. And if you lose some battles, just know you're going to win the war because I read the back of the book. You know the rest of that. Yeah, we win. It's a little cliche-ish. I'm sorry. And they went and came into the uh, into it and Harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. So he sends out two people. I want to tell you that you only need, and I'm wrapping up, I promise, you only need two spies in your mind. Whenever you take in all the reports of life, all the news, and you're trying to make good of that news, you only need two spies. It's found in Psalms 23. When David was talking about, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Can I help you just for a minute? Next teaching point. The Bible says that my, my children know my voice. Okay, do I have your attention real quick? If you are in a season of your life where you're not feeling the touch of God, it may be because he's maturing you to hear the voice of God. There's two stages in the Christian walk, really, that I've seen in Scripture. Jesus compares us to sheep. When you first come into the house of God, or when you first get saved, you are a lamb. And so he will touch you. He'll let you feel his presence. He'll let you sense him, and he'll manifest himself to you very clearly on a lot of cases, in a lot of situations. But if you live for God long enough, you will stop feeling him all the time. Because you move into what's called being a sheep and not a lamb. And the Bible says that my sheep know my voice. And so if you've gotten to a place where you feel like I, God's, not, God's not, I don't feel him, I don't know what to do, it's because he's maturing you to where you start to listen for his voice and not just feel after his touch. It's immature to come to church and just, okay, pastor, shoot me up. I'm ready for a touch of the Holy Ghost. That is how the American church lives. We use the Holy Ghost in church to anesthetize the pains of life. And we're supposed to use church to fuel our ability to be a good witness in life. Oh, my goodness. So the victory that we're supposed to have is because we are literally learning to hear God's voice and how he's reporting the bad news that we're hearing. So whenever something happens like I get run into, God tells me, minister to the lady that ran into you with, with an expired driver's license and no insurance. Find a way to minister to her. And so she says, I'm on the way to the hospital to pick up my husband who's coming out of surgery. And I said, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. I will pray for you. 
She just ran into my car. But I'm trying to take the bad news and make it into a good report. I know I'm riding that horse a little bit long, but somebody in here has been hanging out with a bunch of bad news. And you need to know that it's up to you and your faith whether you turn it into a good report. And the reason why God did not let them go into the... I'm wrapping this down. It's all going to come together. Did not let the people who brought the bad report go into the promised land. And now Joshua is sending two new spies. is because it would have been cruel for God to let them enter something they had no faith to enter and then expect them to fight a fight to conquer it when they didn't even have enough faith to walk in to the promised land. Do you understand the mercy of God was to let them die in the wilderness under the covenants of Moses so that they would be saved unless they were the ones that were Korah and all that. Never mind. We won't get to that. If you don't know the story, don't worry about it. But those that did pass away in the wilderness, they were under the law of Moses. But if they did not have faith to fight, To enter, they would have not had faith to fight. And so some of you have had the wind knocked out of your sails because of the the lack of good reports in your life, but you have to realize that the bad news has to be turned into that by your faith. And if you have not entered into your miracle, if you have not entered into your promise, if you haven't entered into your healing, it's maybe because you need to look at your faith. Because God will not give you something to fight for if you have no faith to even enter it. Is that okay? So, so, I'm wrapping down. I'm trying so hard to close this up. My faith secures me. My heart can be steadfast and my spirit can be secure. When you look at your kids, you can trust that they're going to serve the Lord if you raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. If you look at a marriage, your marriage will make it if you trust in the Lord and you lean not into your own understanding. My job will be a blessing to me. I have this written down here. Even when it looks like there's bad news on the job, you can make it into a good report. Are you the one that shows up and brings a good report and a smile on your job? Are you the one that's gathering around the water bubbler and talking about all the drama of the office? My kids will serve the Lord. My job will be blessed. My loved ones will come back to God if they've slipped away. Regardless of what it looks like, would you stand with me? Regardless of what it looks like, I will be strong and have good courage. Did this minister to anyone today? It's up to you. And God kind of altered my altar call, and, and sometimes I give a full altar call and ask you to come down here. Sometimes I don't. But what you see here is you see paper and you see pen. And I don't know what you're dealing with, per se. You can shut the lights down, Sarah. Thank you. But I, I know that in our, in our world, in, in Christendom at large, the message is if you go to Jesus, he'll give you what you want. You guys know that, the seeker-sensitive. Mike and I were talking about that on Monday, weren't we? A little bit of the seeker-sensitive stuff out there. But that doesn't line up to this book. When Paul got converted, his life got worse. I can't promise you a bed of roses but I can promise you a place beside the rose of Sharon I can promise you a relationship that makes everything else seamless I can promise you a relationship that 
Even Paul said, though he slay me, not Paul, but Job, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Is it gain for you to go to heaven? Is it gain for you to leave here? Oh, I got family, preacher. I got stuff to do. Paul said, I only stay here in order that you would be encouraged. So, when Paul gets knocked down on the road to Damascus, and he says, Jehovah, who are you? The response is, I am Jesus, whom you persecuted. See, Paul thought he was doing a good thing. He was persecuting the church. Places in Scripture actually line out that it would seem in Acts that he actually assisted in bringing people to their execution that dared to name the name of Jesus. And we want a religion that keeps us comfortable. I can't promise you comfort, my friend, but I can promise you the comforter. You know, I've had a lot of years in ministry, and I'm a very emotional person. I tell people my grandmother was Italian. We speak with our hands. and She got carpal tunnel, couldn't talk for a month. But when God speaks to me, tears break forth in my eyes. I don't know if it's just because I'm older now and I just can't turn it off, Kristen, but I cry at the chiropractor when Jesus shows up. I cry on the job. I'll be working with a tear running down my face. Nobody knows. Just me and Jesus. Because he's so dear and near. And no matter how good the job goes or how bad the job goes, I know that he's right there helping me. So I'm courageous today. And today, I share with you this as I close. As a minister, I've had to be strong and be a leader for so long. Pastoring, a ch- Helping pastor a church at 350 in Oconomowoc, I could not be weak. I had to be a leader. So every time I walked to the pulpit, I was preaching. I was showing a good face. I was shaking people's hand. I'm smiling. I'm doing what you should do to encourage the brethren. Right, Maurice? But on the inside, I'm fighting. I'm struggling. I'm doing that thing where I'm listening to the 10 spies and not the two positive. Because David said, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's the only two spies you need in your head. You can literally run with courage into things if you know that goodness and mercy of God is going to push you because it's following you. You've got to trust that, amen? And so I literally had a moment where I had to give myself permission to hurt and give myself permission to heal and give myself the courage to change. Jesus is the greatest example of courage, amen? He was the lion of the tribe of Judah, but he teaches us that in him we can have courage. I'm not belaboring the point.
point, I just want you to know that no matter what happens when you come to the Lord, if you come honestly, whether it gets good or whether it gets better or whether you're blessed, whether you have a lot or you just have a meager fare in life, whether you have a lot of money in the bank or you're, or the only true riches you have is in Christ Jesus, but you have no real wealth, you can literally find a courage in God that takes you far beyond the places where you are right now and leads you to a greater destiny. So that is what I want to present to you today. Would you grab your papers with me and let me pray? Just pick them up and I'm going to hold, we're going to hold them. See, Paul had a Pentecost moment when he saw Jesus. Hebrews 3 and 13 says, But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you are hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Did you know sin in our world can harden us? The next verse says this, Luke 22, 32. Jesus prayed for Simon that he would be converted, and when he's converted, strengthen the brethren. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. The word encourage has a root word of courage. Amen? Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Colossians 3, 16. Let the the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. 2 Timothy 4, 2. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort, which means encourage, with complete patience and teaching. And last one, Colossians 2 and 2. That their hearts may be encouraged. Everyone say encouraged. Being knit together. We are knit together, friends, in love to reach all the riches and full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. So I say all this to say this. I want you to write on that piece of paper. Don't put your name to it. Something that you need the courage from. You need courage from God. Good courage. God courage to conquer. Something you need help with. Maybe next week. Maybe this month. Maybe in the next year. And there's tape right here. And I want you to come and I want to tape, tape it to this wall. This is our altar call, okay? Because if I have you come down here and just pray, you may leave and not feel any courage on Monday or Tuesday. But we're going to put it here and we're going to encourage one another. We're going to pray for each other. And thanks for being our guest today, but we want to pray for you too, my friend. So we want you to put it on here. If you, Whatever it is, I don't, I don't care. Just write it on there. I need, I need encouragement for my marriage, for my home, to raise my kids better, to feel, to feel better about myself. Whatever it is, write it. Take tape and put it on here. Come on, let's do this together.